you. I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Hey, you guys, and welcome to another episode of the Women With Fire podcast. I am so excited for today's interview because (laughs) this girl is one of my best friends and also she's my, you're my ministering sister, right? Yes. That doesn't sound (laughs) weird to say that yet. It's (laughs) It's still weird to say, but it's great. I still like the word. It just feels awkward in my mouth. Uh, she's my minister. Anyway, so she she lives right by me and I love her and she was an absolute blessing to be able to come into my life when I could have someone to talk about business with, like real life, Instagram following, all of the ups and downs. And so I am I think I've let up enough. This is my friend McKenna. <laughs> hey McKenna, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm so glad to be here. And I literally, I live here because of you, because I went to the ward and I heard you give a talk and I was like, we need to live in this ward. I like this ward. Do you remember when I came and I was, and you talked and you gave a really, really good talk at church. So I live here. Yes. Yes. (laughs) If I can, I'll take credit. By darn, I'll take credit for you. So McKenna has like, so the great thing about this is because we talk a lot. So I know a lot of juicy details, so I can ask all the good (laughs) questions to get them out. So let's first talk about your businesses. So she has a like brick and mortar, like actual shop called Peep. And she sells pretty cool, amazing, interesting house plants. Are you kidding me? This is the best. You already know this is going to be a good interview. And then she has, she has another Instagram account called Polia Lovers, Polia.Lovers. And you guys are like, what is a Polia? It is a cool, awesome houseplant. So we're going to talk about all this. So um, McKenna, tell me about your businesses. So Peep, it's a little, like you said, brick and mortar boutique. And we also sell on a website online. And we sell houseplants and accessories for houseplants and, you know, pots and potting mix and fertilizer and misters and stickers and buttons and fun things. We, we try to have unusual houseplants that are hard to find. And that is why we sell the Pilea because when we, we got into the business because there was nobody selling that plant in the United States. And so we are the first commercial grower of that plant in the U.S., and so we, yeah, we were, my husband was sitting there one day. We have, we have another business that is kind of on the back burner right now, but it's a letterpress wedding invitation studio. And we were sitting in our, in our um, studio and we got a text from his friend and a friend from college, Lisa. And she said, hey, do you know where to find the Chinese money plant, which is the common name for the Pylea? And he's like, no, I've looked for it too, but I haven't really been able to find it. Let me take a look around because he's just, he's weirdly good at finding stuff on the internet. Like me, he found <laughs> me on the internet. That's where we met. <laughs> um, 
find yeah. gems on the internet. <laughs> yes. So he was looking around and we found like tiny seedlings, you know, like one on eBay or something in Europe. And they were so much money, like usually over a hundred dollars for just a tiny, tiny little seedling. So we were talking about it and we're like, we have a business. Let's start another one and let's grow this plant. We love plants. This would be great. <laughs> and then suddenly we have this cute little store in downtown Riverside and this website and a lot of work to do and a lot of great plants and a lot of great people and this huge houseplant community that we love. So here we are. <laughs> okay. So you kind of glazed over a little bit where I want to know, <laughs> like, did you hear she grows a bunch of plants? Like, you Yeah, we have greenhouses. <laughs> yeah. Like you yeah. have, you're legit all across like the whole chain. Yeah, we have, I mean, we have suppliers, but we also have our own greenhouses and we have like our own pots in production and we, we kind of do all of the above because we have the, have really press and the letterpress background. We've been in manufacturing for a long time since 2010, I think. So we have a lot of background in manufacturing and a lot of contacts in manufacturing and, um, yeah, it's, it's fun, though, to have a, a product that's more of a product than a service. The letterpress side was felt more like a service industry than a product industry. And now we actually have product that we get to make and sell and buy and sell. And it's fun. So why do you like uh, the product versus service better? Like what? A lot of things. I mean, one, because the industry is less stressful. The wedding industry is a pretty high stress, like high emotion time in someone's life. Um, which can be really rewarding, but also really stressful. The other thing is that we, in having like a physical product to sell rather than a, a physical product that was like a single unique piece for every single individual, we can systemize a lot of stuff that was hard to systemize with the service slash product industry we were in before. And then I would guess also just that it's, the letterpress industry is extremely expensive. So each sale is just a much harder, bigger sell. Whereas our plants are a lot lower price point and it's easier to, it's easier to increase our volume and find new customers when your product isn't like a thousand to $1,500. <laughs> well, but it seems kind of funny because your plants are so unique, right? I just find it super interesting and something that we need to point out that this was something like a product not available in the U S. So I, and so you're, you're niching down a ton, right? Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, we, I mean, we know our size, we know our capacity and we knew that that niche was going to disappear quickly. I mean that you can get Pileas at some Trader Joe's now because very, very large, like the largest growers in Canada and the US have started growing them. They're easy to grow. And it was just one of those things where we're like, okay, we've got maybe a year, a year and a half of being the primary seller of this product. And we need to use that time and leverage that time to help us grow our business because there will come a point where the prices come down, the interest comes down, and we can't rely on just this one interesting niche product. So we have, you know, we have other plants that are unique and we try to always have a wide variety and be the experts on the care of these unique plants, which helps a lot. But if it's a good product and there's a solid market for it, you're not going to be alone in that niche for very long usually. So it had to be looked at as like, 
what are we going to do with the time that we have here? And that was where a lot of where Pylea Lovers, the other account comes in, was growing that account, getting this big audience that we can use for a variety of things. I think it's only, it's at like 27 something, 27,000 followers right now. So. So how do you use that to filter into your other business? Like your, your big Instagram account to filter into we, your We don't use it as well as we should over the last few months. Initially, we used it a lot to grow Peep, to bring over those customers as much as possible, let them know, hey, all of you people. Pylea Lovers is an account where we literally just repost photos of Pylea's, other people's photos of Pylea's every day. And... So suddenly we could tell, you know, what at like that point, like 24, 25,000 people, hey, you can buy these now from us. Um, so that was really helpful. Now it's, as we got busier with Peep, we didn't use it as much. And right now I have it building back up so that we can, because, because the price dropped a lot with the Pylea, we're, and well, the, the economic scarcity dropped a lot with the Pylea. We're focusing now on the Pylea as a way to, increase our validity as a an expert in the field so um we're putting together a lot more like live tutorials and possibly like youtube videos about how to care for them how to propagate them and we have some of that up but we're going to be doing more and then also we're going to be trying to do more like introducing people to other other uh plants that are unique that now have that scarcity that Pylea used to have. So So what I love about this is that you are taking, I I think that when we get into business, we think that that business is going to be the same. Like you're (laughs) always going to be doing this, you know? And so um, it's cool to see your, your progression. It's like, okay, now we have this window and now that window is kind of closing. So now we need to be the expert. And then this is going to like kind of springboard into a different type of business. And so, yeah, that. I like your ability to grow. So have you always loved plants? Have you, is it? <laughs> I have. So this is, my husband is like more the plant side of it. And I'm a little bit more on the like business and community side of it, but I have always loved plants. And my grandma was a huge gardener and my mom always had beautiful plants. And the funny thing about it is though, like we, I think a lot of people, you know, they start a business because they're passionate about something. And for me, that passion came more into the community that we built and like the people that we are interacting with because the plant, the houseplant community is just this awesome group of people who are so nice. <laughs> it turns out like if you love plants, 99% of those people are really nice people. <laughs> I'm really supportive and great and, you know, excited for like, oh, you found this plant? Oh, that's so cool. I found this one and let's share cuttings. And, and so it was definitely, it was a cool, it was a cool business and a cool community to join. And that was probably for me the most exciting part of it. It's also been a really, um, I don't know how to put this exactly, but because, because plants can be shared, like the Pylea, it grew like it, it's, it's popularity grew by sharing it. It wasn't commercially produced for decades after it was imported to Europe because it's a very easy plant to share. And so because of that, I really looked at our business as always, we can't, we can't ever look at our product as no, 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 don't share that. Don't, 
don't like, don't give it away. You need to buy it from us. You know, like that's, that just never felt right. That felt <laughs> really like greedy and uncomfortable, to, you know? And so how do you look at this community and say, okay, the strength of this community is the generosity and the joy that they have in sharing with each other. So how do we become a part of that and not try to stop that, not try to be like, no, don't share, come and buy from us. How do we provide other services? How do we, you know, like facilitate that part of that community and do it in a way that also helps support our family? So that's been an interesting and it's been a good journey. (laughs) (laughs) It is a good journey. It's a, it's a tricky one because, but I, but there is a point and I think this happens. I mean, it started for me, like as a photographer, right? Like don't copy my poses, like (laughs) (laughs) go to my location. And that is what happens when you're just starting out. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that there's a different um, power at play and it's you, right? It's your, yeah. like you yeah. can duplicate your personality, your way of creating or editing or whatever. And then, and, and that is what people pay for. So, and, and that's kind of the same as what you're saying is that it's like you're building a community and you really have, I just went to dinner with you, right? It was really and good too. It was, it was fun. fantastic. Waffles. Pops, I think beignets, waffle pops. So this is good. So we, I want to, I'm going to tell you details about this. So we, there's a new place called the food lab in Riverside where we live. And we went there and it has like uh, a bunch, I will say how many. I don't know. There's like 10 or 12. I can't remember. 10 or 12. So it's kind of, I'm going to say a food court, but just wait with me. Like fancy, but a fancy (laughs) kind of like hip food court. So it has like a lot of fun things to eat. Anyway, we didn't realize, but they were having like their opening ceremonies last night. <laughs> yeah, they've been open, like soft open yeah. for uh, like um, two months. And so yeah. last night was the grand opening, which yeah. I totally had forgotten. We didn't <laughs> realize. Happening. So we're there. Anyway, so we're walking around and I'm just going to tell you like a bunch of people, a bunch would stop McKenna and her husband and talk to them because they are, they are legit building a community and part of a bigger community like downtown, downtown Riverside, the people who shop there and the people who have stores there and they have built like a really amazing community. So I want you to talk to us about that. Like what is the importance of building a real life in-person community and how have you done it? Oh, it's the best. It's the best part of our business. It's so much fun. We, so first of all, we offer in terms of how did, how did we build that? We offer a lot of free classes. Any of our classes that are informational and that we can teach ourselves, so not have to pay a teacher, we do for free. Um, So we do like a free repotting 101 or a free plant parenthood. (laughs) And um, she said plant parenthood. Plant. 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 We like the girl that I ran into who was sitting at the, at the bar last night, she came to, you know, like she's just one of our customers who's come to a lot of our stuff. And she was introducing me to the bartender because she was, she had given her a cutting of her Monstera. And she was like, these are the people you should go to their class. And, you know, we obviously we try to have opportunities for making money in that class. Like we offer 15% off during the class and, but the information itself and the community and the time we spend together, that's all free. And um, we, so those classes have been really powerful and they've been really powerful, not just in creating like connections for us, but in creating connections 
for people within the community with each other. One of the things that I think is really not as a parent when you are a member of a, of a strong like religious community is that a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people don't have this automatic group of people that they have common ground with and can share and have park days with and do things together. And so a lot of people are really searching for that. You know, a lot of Americans don't live in their hometown as an adult. They move around and they, they don't have those connections anymore. And so watching people create these friendships as they meet at our classes has been really fun and seeing them have like continue those connections outside of our classes has been super rewarding and really, like I said, probably my favorite thing about our business. So, so um, I think it's a good, like, it's very awesome as a business to be able to do that. And I see the power in it. I do like even just watching you talk with people and even I was like, Oh, do you know this business? I met this business owner and you're like, yeah, totally. I've done some, you know, I've done some work with them. You're just really good at being in our community. And, um, but how do you, how do you view this? Like, uh, like from a gospel perspective, like, what's your view? yeah. So I don't know if this is a challenge for other moms who are working, who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of LDA or Latter-day Saints. I'll get it. <laughs> I'll get it. I'll get there. I'll get the whole name out there. But for me, having been raised, you know, like I was born in 85, so having been raised in the time that I was raised, the idea of working and being a mom is kind of a complicated balance to decide if that's um, a good thing, if that's a good thing in my life, if that's an appropriate thing for my family. And I, I think a really big turning point for me was the church's use of the word ministering and ministry, kind of um, reclaiming that word that we haven't used for a long time in, in kind of church dialogue. Because I started thinking about what is my ministry in my life? What, what ministry has God given me today and in my life in general and for this, this period of my life? And as, I, as our community has grown of, of plant lovers and downtown Riverside, and as we've become more tied to that, I've come to see how, what an amazing thing it is to have part of my ministry as a, as a covenant-keeping member of this church who is trying to share with my brothers and sisters, not just members of our church, but all of our brothers and sisters, I have, I have this group of people that I can show love to, that I would not have the ability, I, I, I would not have access to those people. I wouldn't have any way to show those people love because I wouldn't know them. And so I suddenly realized that my, that my ministry was part of my ministry was to love the, this group of God's children here in our community, in our town. And that was a really, that was a big, <laughs> that was a big moment for me to, to feel that confirmation that I like to feel how much God loved them and to feel that just by being as kind and generous and loving as possible to our customers that that could be a part of what I was supposed to do on this earth. And I, that day, like I put a little note for our, for our, um, our sales staff who a lot of them are actually um, Christian because a lot of them were 
interns at Cal Baptist University <laughs> that we then hired. And so I put a note on my, I just said basically like, make every, like show love to every one of God's children today in the store. Like that's, that's the goal. And we have this amazing sales staff who like, of course, they want to sell our product, but more than that, they want people to leave with a smile on their face, feeling like they're welcomed and loved and helped and that they have what they need, not just that we've sold something to them. Um, I think this is the best. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad. (laughs) The reason is, is I think that a lot of times, I don't know, when we think about how we are impacting people not of our faith. It's all in the terms of missionary work. And mm-hmm. of, but I, I think we forget or we don't take into consideration the ministering. Like what are, we, what are we supposed to be doing? It's ministering. And I think the missionary work is part of that. And I think, you know, conversion is obviously part of that. But we, all we can do is minister. Like mm-hmm. that's all we can do. <laughs> well, and really that like, you know, the great, the great missionary lesson that we all love the most from the Book of Mormon is a man who ministered before he preached. It's Ammon, you know, and to get to know people and to truly love them. Of course, you're going to end up when appropriate sharing things that are important and telling them truths about how forgiveness has helped you in your life or how kindness and generosity and Christ-like behavior has helped you. And eventually that can lead to, to more formal like conversations about the gospel. But I think it's very hard to get to those conversations in a way that is useful if you don't start with the ministering side of things. And I think that's why the conversation has changed and why ministering is being you know, added and talked about every week for the last 80 years. Just kidding. It's, <laughs> I don't know. I'm in primary. We don't talk about it. <laughs> Pretty sure the last six months have been about ministering, which is so great because it's something that we need. And we need to realize that we put a lot of boundaries, I think, on what is acceptable service or, you know, what is, you know, what service matters, what service counts as service in the kingdom when, when it's us that are putting those boundaries on. Cause I know that like you creating this community is a huge service and part of your ministry, you know? And I think about, I don't know, like we talk a a lot about the balance between motherhood and the other things that we're doing and it, it makes it feel that you have to choose one yeah, to and be, and that's your ministry and that's all you can do when I don't think that's true. I think that we can minister in a lot of, a lot of different ways. And, and just like you said, you had to get that confirmation for yourself that the way you were doing yeah. it was right. And did that come quickly or is that something like over time that's happened? That was something over time. That was something that took a long time for me to feel completely at peace with. And it was a really, um, I would think it was the journey itself of getting to that point was really important. I think if I had received that answer the second I started into this life of family entrepreneurship, I don't think that I would have learned what I needed to learn. I think I had to wait a while for that answer and it took, it took time, but it was I learned a lot along the way about 
trusting God and, and taking that step into the dark <laughs> for a lot of steps. So yeah, it definitely took time. Can you tell us about that process a little bit? Like what, what was it like for you? Are there practical things that you did that you could share um, in terms of getting that answer or, or just in yeah, terms of, I, cause I know you know, I heard you talk mm-hmm. that maybe you didn't love Riverside a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, and that's where we live. That's yeah. Our <laughs> um, that's where this great community is. <laughs> that's where the community she's supposed to be building is. So I guess what's that process? What was that process like? What are some practical things people can do if they don't, whether it's a physical community or not, like maybe you're in a situation that you are there. I mean, like I've, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of components to that journey and some of them are more personal than others, but I would say the first thing that like maybe from more of a principle standpoint, that was huge for me, that changed a lot for me was taking total responsibility for how I was feeling and where I was in my life. It's really easy to blame your circumstances and the world around you and the people around you for your life. It's so much easier. (laughs) (laughs) It's so much easier than to say, I could choose to leave all of this right now. Why don't I? Well, because I don't want to. Okay. So if I don't want to leave, not leave like, but leave Riverside or leave, you know, not work or whatever. If I don't want to, if I don't actually want to leave Riverside, like if I don't see some other option that I would rather be doing, why am I, why am I sticking with it? You know, like I'm choosing to do this and therefore I'm choosing to continue to feel frustrated in a situation that I'm choosing. That's, that's just ridiculous. And so taking, taking responsibility for, yeah, for my own feelings and my own thoughts about where we were uh, was really helpful. There's a great uh, shout out to Jody Moore. She's um, an LDS, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, life coach. Are we allowed to say LDS? I can't remember. I need to read that. (laughs) Um, Anyways, she's got a great podcast and she, um, she talks a lot about this from a gospel perspective. And she came into my life at a really critical moment where that helped me be like, you know what? I, I could love Riverside more than anywhere else in the world. If I want to, I can do that. I don't have to. I I mean, I still really prefer green Hills to Brown Hills, but I, I can choose. (laughs) I don't know. Like if there's not a drought for five years, But like I can find things that I love about Riverside. I don't have to focus on the things like the Brown Hills that maybe aren't a natural fit for me. I can find amazing restaurants and a great community of people and wonderful friends and fun activities. And I can find amazing things about where I live. I don't have to just act like, well, I have to live here. This is, I just can't help it. So I have to be here. I, <laughs> so hard and poor me. I don't have to be a victim. I can choose something different from that. So I would say just, I had to buck up a little bit. I had to stop letting yes. myself be a victim and I had to choose how I was going to feel about my life. And I think that's part of why I had to take, I, I had to wait for a little bit for my answer because I needed to learn how to do that <laughs> before God could say, 
yeah, and you're doing the right thing. And it's great. Isn't it great? Look how good it's going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love it because this applies. And I'm just going to say Riverside is great. Come live by us. I'll speak. (laughs) I love it now. Yep. (laughs) Brown Hills, notwithstanding, it is an amazing place to live. And you know, I like learned that in part from Caitlin Gates, who is another one of our friends, because she was sitting at her baby shower last year saying how much she loved Riverside and how grateful she was to live here and what a wonderful community it was to raise her children here. And I was like, I want that. I could feel that if I, if I work on that, I could feel that way. And now I do. Thanks, Caitlin. Caitlin, she is, (laughs) she's so wonderful. But there are, there is some point that we all have to take a little bit of a, (laughs) a little bit of a moment and realize that we have a lot more power over our lives than we give ourselves credit for. Buck up. So yep. This can be good. And, and this happens. I, I see this a lot because we do a lot of mentoring and I see this a lot that because people do this with their, we call it our, their quest, right? They feel called mm-hmm. to do something. Mm-hmm. And then because they don't want to accept that they're doing something else, either besides motherhood or what they, or besides something they thought they were going to be doing mm-hmm. that they kind of sit on the fence for a long time. <laughs> Instead of like choosing, choosing to be happy or choosing to say, I am running a business. I'm legit running a business and being a mom or whatever it is. And there is power in letting that go. It it frees up your mind to think about like actual productive things. Yeah. (laughs) And it makes you be a happier person. I totally agree. I think, (laughs) I think if your head is filled with thoughts of, I can't do this because you just don't do anything, you don't progress. And if your head is filled with thoughts that say, I am going to find a way to get great photographs for my business that doesn't cost me any money. And it's going to happen this month. And suddenly (laughs) you start having ideas. But if you're like, I could never do that. there's no way we can get great photographs for our business without spending a ton of money and it's going to take forever. If that is your thought, you will never find a way. You won't, you won't find a way. But if your thought, I little, this just happened to me this week. I was like, we need, we need these kind of photos. We need this kind of thing. And my first initial instinct was like, but I can't do it this way. And this isn't going to work. There's no way this is going to work. Then I was like, nope. If that like, I'm just clogging up my inspiration. If that's all I think, if I just keep thinking it can't happen or it won't work or it won't work because I don't have this thing that I need or the support that I need or the, you know, the family that I want or the business that I want, like it can't work just means that it won't work. And if you're willing to stop trying, like if you're willing to retrain your brain to not think that way, you can find creative solutions that you had no idea were out there. Yeah. And I think this goes back to, um, there's a quote by president Hinckley and he talks about faith. He's like, I think a lot of times we think faith is just like kind of, I don't know, woo woo kind of a thing. Like you just have faith. You know? <laughs> and he is, he talks about how faith is like an actual force. Like, and, yeah. and when we choose faith and, and that's what we're doing when you, you know, when you are saying, wait, I'm going to figure this out. I have faith that I have been called to do this. This is my ministry. And this is a part of it. Like pictures for my 
website pictures, you know, that's a yeah. part of building a business. It's a part yeah. of it. And you feel like your ministry is this business, this community. Then it's that it's saying, I'm going to choose faith over doubt and fear. And, and I don't, I don't know. I don't think we think about that in relation to when we, when we're like, oh, I could never do that. I don't think we think we're not being, we're not. using. Yeah. It. We think we're being realistic or we're being humble or something. <laughs> and I don't, I think we're forgetting that confidence before the Lord is not a bad thing because it's saying I can do all things with you and because of you. And if we say, I just can't do this, we're kind of saying, you just can't do this because we know he's on our side. And um, it's, of course, we have to, you know, puzzle it out and give it our best shot and bring the Lord white stones for him to light up. But he is there. He's going to find a way for us to accomplish the things that he's commanded us to do. Even if it means that we have to go into Laban three times before it works out. And I I think we forget that aspect too, where it's like, yeah, there's going to be times when you're, you don't under, you don't understand the failure, right? That you're like, wait, I'm commanded to do this. We are supposed to get the plates. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Nephi had it kind of easier because he had an angel still telling them that they were supposed to be doing that even after they had had three learning experiences to learn how (laughs) it wasn't going to work. But I think it's, I think it's a really, I think another thing that helps is when you can step back and say, this is my ministry, but in the end, the goal is for me to become the person that Heavenly Father wants me to be. And so along the road of that ministry, the, the things that I'm supposed to do are going to change all the time because the main point is for me to learn the lessons he has for me to learn and for me to love the people that I'm supposed to love along the way. So, you know, sometimes that changes and sometimes you learn a lot of uh, things about resilience and what's not going to work. And you just keep trying over and over until hopefully you don't have to, you know, go as far as me if I did and cut off Layton's head. (laughs) You'll get there. (laughs) Well, I do believe, I believe like, yes, he had like literal angels come and say, stop hitting your brother, right? Is that the <laughs> ultimate like mom move? <laughs> Just stop hitting your brother. Anyway, but I do think if we are open and aware, God is sending us messages all the time. Yeah. Like you're okay. Even this conversation is a little bit of a message for me. If I'm going to choose to, there's something I've been on the fence about and I'm preaching to myself right now. Anyway, <laughs> The best way. (laughs) The best way. I know the answer. Anyway, um, but I do think that if we are open to it and we talk about this in our quest episode about um, heavenly help and how it's there all the time if we need it. And sometimes it's just a peaceful feeling that we're doing what's right. But Mm -hmm. it's never been an angel, but (laughs) for me. Not that we can see, Michelle. Not that we can see. Oh, no, that's true. It's been a lot of like little hints that angels are there with us. And now a small break. A word from those who make this podcast possible. This podcast is powered by Entreport. 
Entreport is our number one business tool. It literally does it all. Email marketing, sales funnels, automation, and it basically keeps your business running even when you're sleeping. Not only is Entreport the backbone of our businesses, but you can design a full-blown website using their customizable landing pages. It is the one-stop powerhouse shop where we keep our email lists, growth, marketing goals, and businesses at their very best. Check out the show notes or jump on thewomenwithfire.com slash Entreport to get started. And now back to the Women With Fire podcast. Okay, so I have another question because because we've been talking about this. A lot of the women we talk to, like their businesses aren't necessarily like their whole income, but this work with your husband, like this is your business. Mm-hmm. Like this, the money you make puts the food on the table. Yeah. <laughs> so if I do- don't work, we don't <laughs> have those things. Yeah. So how do you balance that? Like the motherhood part and the like actual need to, to work? I think in some ways it, I, of course it's, it's an added stress to know that you are helping to provide like 50% provide for your family. So that's in some ways that adds a stress. It also though, in other ways is, I would imagine a little bit less stressful, like if you're choosing this business, but you don't necessarily need it for your rent and your, <laughs> and putting food on the table, then you, it's easier to question, like, should I really be doing this? You know, like I, I don't always have to deal with that question in the same way because we, we kind of have to do this. This is, this is the path that we're on. This is how we're providing for our family. In terms of balancing that when you, when you know you, you actually have to get this done or, or you won't be able to provide for your family. It's definitely, it's challenging. It's, I was just, I just texted a friend um, talking about uh, being a working mom and I was like, it's an exercise in resilience and flexibility and extreme organization. <laughs> like you have to be <laughs> so flexible and so able to, stop and do something that your child needs or that your family needs, but you also have to have organization and structure or you won't get anything done that you need to for work. You know, you can't, you have to kind of have both of those things happening and those are great skills to learn. So I can't really complain that I'm having to learn them. Yeah. And as you were saying that we need to learn how to be flexible, Scarlett <laughs> just came and asked for goldfish. So I feel like I can't blame her. Those, they're delicious. <laughs> You're hitting all the right notes today. <laughs> in the nail on the head. So how does it look working with your husband? Because awesome. that's a whole different... He's, He's the best. I need to tell you that Leland is the best. <laughs> he really is. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking at him and thinking how cute he is. Because <laughs> they work that together really at good. home. <laughs> Um, it's really good. We had kind of a different, I, well, I mean, everyone has a unique story, but, um, our story is that even though we both were in Provo and went to school in Provo and lived there at the same time for like eight years, we didn't meet in Provo. He, um, he ran an art gallery there and I went to 
like an opening of a friend's art show and didn't meet him. <laughs> he, he like dated friends of mine. Anyways, I ended up after going to BYU and studying German literature and humanities, I ended up living in Washington, D.C. and working at a really interesting company where I got to plan luxury travel for cultural institutions. And so because of the German background and cultural history and stuff, I, that's how I got that job. So I was traveling a lot and um, I'd been dating somebody and we broke up and then I was going to be out of the country for about three months. And I was like, I need a distraction from this breakup. So I hopped on to LDSsingles.com and um, I yeah, I did. And so I was, you know, chatting with people as I was working um, overseas. And then Leland, uh, I, was, I was on my last tour. I was in Berlin. And I, at the beginning of that week, he wrote me this email. It was fate. We had a marriage arranged by God. It went very well and very quickly. <laughs> but this is all to say that when we got engaged, I mean, we wrote letters that week. I was in Berlin. I came home. I went to a reunion in Park City. We went on our first date. We said, I love you the next day. He met like my entire extended family. I met his parents and his brother and sister-in-law and nieces and nephews. And we, I think by Thursday of the second week, I was like, so this isn't hypothetical. We're getting married, right? So <laughs> we, uh, we got the ring that Friday at Cat's Cradle, the little antique store on Center in Provo. Um, and then we got married. This was all in June, and we got married in mid-September. And so we did not know each other that well when we got married. <laughs> Just, it was really fast. And we felt, I mean, we, I was 28, he was 34. We both kind of felt like we knew what we wanted in life and we had a lot in common and a lot of common ground and we knew that it was right and we were crazy in love. And so we took a leap of faith and we got married and then we were together 24 seven working together, you know, living <laughs> together, everything together. And that is a really good way to get to know your spouse. Let me just tell you, because a lot of people will be like, how do you work? You know, how could you work with your husband? Like we'd kill each other. And I'm like, I don't know how you live. Like, I, how do you have a family if you can't work with your husband? That's confusing to me. How do you make any important decisions if you can't work together? But um, yeah, it's been a really, it's been a huge blessing that we get to spend so much time together. and be together so much and I almost never have to grocery shop by myself. That's awesome. It's good. And he's the best. I love he him. Is. He's so fun. Um, so I'm glad that fate brought you together. I'm glad he's a good seeker on the internet and yes, found you. He is <laughs> a great seeker. <laughs> so what would be like your message to working moms? Okay. My message to working moms would be, have a lot of patience with yourself and your family. Know that every stage that you are in with your kids and your family is temporary. So don't stress too much about like, I can't do this. I can't do this because it will be different in like three weeks. Your kids will be different and enjoy what you can while you can and have a really big calendar in a really prominent place in your house that you and your family and your husband can't miss so that everybody's on the same page as much as possible <laughs> with what's going on in your family. 
Um, and then be willing to throw it all out the window when you need to go make family memories at Oakland and pick apples together. I love I it. it. I love it. Those <laughs> are good, good advice. Um, so the last question I always ask is, um, how have you seen God's hand in your journey as a business owner and, and as a mom? Uh, he just carries me all the time. That's, it's like, that's, it's almost hard to answer because I feel like it's there all the time. But I guess here's, here's one thing that I had happen a couple months ago that was really precious to me that felt like a big tender mercy and a moment where God said, hey, I know, I know <laughs> what's hard right now. So here you go. And it was when, um, oh, I forgot his name. He's the organist that came to a state conference and he's one of the Motab. Yes. Um, he played, I, I was kind of still in the midst of my struggle with choosing to love Riverside and choosing to appreciate things about my life that I had been looking at as uh, from more of a victim perspective. And I've been praying a lot and asking every father, like, are we really supposed to be here? This is really what we're supposed to be doing. And part of me, a lot of my family lives in Utah and I was like, should we just move there? Should we just go there instead? Like then I could be around all my family and there's some like life goals that I have that I don't know how I could possibly accomplish them here. Like it would be a lot easier there. And <laughs> so I'm sitting in conference and he gets up there to play uh, for the uh, special musical number on the organ. And he plays, <laughs> I'll go where you want me to go. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> you want me here, don't you? Like, <laughs> you don't want me to go to Utah, blast. You want me right here. And I would rather, I would rather be maybe someplace a little bit grander in my life or a little bit more exciting or a little bit greener. But it was just this overwhelming, like, no, if I really believe that, if I really am saying, I'll go where you want me to go, this is where you want me to go. And these are the people you want me to love. And this is what you want me to be learning right now. And, and it was just, like I said, it was a moment of, okay, I know what you want. <laughs> I know what you're feeling. I know what you're struggling with. And here's this really beautiful song to remind you that I know. And I know that it's hard. Um, but you're where you're supposed to be. And I love you. And I'm listening. And there you go. <laughs> It was a good, it was a, it was a good moment for me to just be reminded that he knew exactly what I needed. Ah, I love it, McKenna. I love it so much. It's in the Bible that, what is the story? Story of the fleeces, right? Where, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes, but I can't. <laughs> we'll, we'll dive deeper into that one. Anyway, but yeah. I do think that. So why I love that so much is because he is there and he is listening and it doesn't mean necessarily that he's going to pluck you out. Please don't pluck her out. Leave her here. <laughs> you can't now. Now, I'm, now I want to be here. And the family is all there. But that he will let us know that we're on the right path. Oh, McKenna, you're my favorite. Thank you so much for interviewing with me and hanging out with me. And I'm glad you chose our ward because it 
it's making this ministering magic happen right now. <laughs> Me too. It's, it's the best. It's such a great word. I love being here. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for interviewing and people are going to love you. I'm so excited. So you can find her on Instagram at peep, P-I-E-P, or at Halia Lovers. I don't think I'm saying it right. <laughs> it's okay. You say it like Minna. My daughter says it, so it's perfect. I she say it like all plants. That. How do I say yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, we say Pylea. So like, think pie. pie. That helps. Okay. Pylea.lovers yeah. on Instagram. And I just, she's the best. So make sure you follow her. And thank you again for being here. You're the best. Thank you. Let's talk again soon. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group, Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.